Hi, my name's Ian Beaton. You're about to listen to everyday people from differing backgrounds, but with one thing in common, a story. A story of adversity, a story of inspiration, a story of laughter, sometimes a story of sadness, or simply a story to make you think. I believe everyone has a story. I also believe that story should be shared. Welcome to So What's Your Story? Welcome this week to another episode of So What's Your Story? Uh, in my um, studio today, I have an amazing young man it really is David Seed David welcome first of all thanks so much David is a has a really interesting story actually so just to quickly summarise he, he, he had a, a, a sort of um, uh, an interesting life early in his life I'm going to go into that in a bit more detail but he's a former male model and uh, today David is one of the uh, founders of the Farm Club uh, which is based in Pickmere in Cheshire and David will tell you I'm sure all the wonderful things that they do I often visit uh, the farm club and go and swim in the lake i've also done some ice uh, tank therapy and breath work with david um, who's an amazing instructor of that uh, side of things and just very very good for your well-being uh, but it wasn't always plain sailing for for david um, at the age of um, 11 he noticed that he had like a concave in his chest and it was a condition called you might have to help me with this one a little bit david pectus Excavatum. There you go. I didn't need to. Yeah, excavatum. (laughs) Which is basically, as I say, it's a concave in the chest. And due to this, um, this, this, this sort of deformity, David. Really, um, you were constantly bullied, and you were called names at school, and you were you you became embarrassed about taking your shirts off, especially in in the in the changing rooms. But then, you know, your parents were amazing, and, and you managed to get an operation, uh, which was excruciatingly painful, uh, and and basically a metal bar was put inside your inner chest area, which which pushed it outwards, um, and. The interesting thing is, all of these bullies at school uh, were, were, were posting images of, of, of attractive guys, models, and David Beckham, and this type of thing. And then you found yourself <laughs> at the age of 19, <laughs> you were assigned to a bloody modeling agency, and you traveled all over the world, and yeah. you worked for some of the industry's biggest names. Um, last year, you had the bar removed um, and you documented this on YouTube and it went sort of pretty um, viral. It was very, very popular uh, documentary. That sort of catapulted you into the media's eye and everything else. Uh, And then you discovered, uh, whilst in the Lake District with your parents, uh, some Wim Hof techniques, despite being absolutely having a bit of a phobia about the cold uh, when you used to play rugby you hated it in cold weather uh, and, and you love rugby uh, and and then sort of very very sort of full circle almost peculiar um today um you 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 set up a facility called the farm club which is based in pickmere which is amazing as i've already said and you've literally taken thousands of individuals into the lake and into ice water and and i've seen you david you sort of like you love this 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 cold environment. Um, I hope that introduction introductory has done you justice. <laughs> <laughs> the, the broad one already, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's go back if we can, because right now you're That's what? The you're start. Yeah, what now? What what age are you? Twenty nine, David. Yeah, I'm twenty nine now. Yeah. Just, yeah. So just turned a few months ago. Yeah. So let's take still you a back. baby. Yeah, he's still a baby. Um, let's take let's take you, let's take you back if we can to, and I hope this isn't going to be a painful journey for you. But let's take you back to growing up when, you know, school school wasn't wasn't pleasant for you when you had this 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 deformity. Well, it, it was it was hell to be honest. Like in terms of school, um, in terms of my childhood, though, I had a very fortunate childhood. And my parents yeah. are incredible, the most beautiful parents ever, and. Uh, you know, a childhood which was incredible. And so I think that in terms of the foundations that I had to, 
to set on from when any of this bullying set in. I had the uh, the character already within me that, that could kind of deal with it because it really it really was uh, monotonous. It really was every day, was and I, I can't. It's it's crazy, really, you know. And you look back, kids will be kids, but it was. Uh, the amount of it just behind my back online, I, I kind of was also at the start of that internet bullying. It was like the, I was the first Facebook years of school. And so it was um, it was just so easy to kind of, you know, do stuff behind people's back and say things and all this stuff. And I really, um, kids, you know, succumb to peer pressure. And I truly had the whole year would just basically ignore me because of as, as few people that made them all scared really? and it was simply because I played music I'm a musician I played music and put I started posting on YouTube when I was like 13 14 and these videos were doing really really well I mean looking back at them they're terrible now but again I've I've come with that journey being able to play and single around the world with it but um it bullied me like crazy for that Again, it's just jealousy looking back. And uh, later on, when I got into um, kind of the later years of the junior part of the school, the girls in the sixth form would ask me to model for them in the in the fashion show. And obviously that was a, <laughs> uh, an, easy, an easy point to throw the dagger in. So um, I used to get David Beckham's Armani shoe put on my locker every other day. And I'd just have words written all over it horrible horrible things just I mean I'm not gonna repeat them here but just horrible abusive things just I mean even as kids it was disgusting to be honest and uh yeah I hated going to school it was uh getting up every day I'd stay up late I'd stay up super super late till three four in the morning just because I didn't want the next day to happen and the next day would happen and yeah. you know I'd have to somehow but um hey look it, it wasn't uh I think that happens to a lot of kids I think it's the case for a lot and I think that um, in reflection, I know it sounds kind of strange, but you know all these things do happen for the reason, and I think we'll talk about that today. But all these things have been the challenges which made me who I am. And I'm so glad these things happened, especially the bullying, because like it literally was at the start of my life, and it made me very strong to keep going throughout the rest of it. So yeah, it's funny. It's funny how adverse situations. I mean, I I, I was. Uh... I wasn't the most popular kid at school, I'll be dead honest with you. And um, I did have a degree of bullying throughout, throughout my um, ch childhood years as well. And it's awful. And when I reflect now as, as, a, as a mature adult, um, my view on, on bullying is, is very sort of strong. And I don't know, it's thinking about those individuals. And I remember meeting someone in a business environment who actually was a perpetrator of bullying me. Wow. I've always and, thought about this. <laughs> yeah, and he he actually needed to sell something to me. Right. And I remember the uncomfortableness because he didn't recognise me because I've changed a lot. Wow. Right? And, wow. and, um, and I, I said, you don't remember me, do you? And um, he, he said, no. And I said, I really remember you. <laughs> oh wow! And his face just physically changed, and his whole <gasps> was almost like a uh oh, you know. And um, yeah. it was one of those situations where I decided to be compassionate, and I decided to let the past go and see how he felt about that. Absolutely, and I I found that that's the only way. It's the only way you can only like look back at them now and go, oh man, they were kids, like what was going on in their life at the time, what insecurities was running through their life, what security did they not have at home which was causing this. And I'm, again, that's speculation, but it is the, the, it's a, we're a product of those conditions. So yeah. I think it's the only way to go is find that space of compassion and you can yeah. reflect and, and you can let it go because it's only, it's only energy we're holding on to if we're still like, it's part of me now because I get these questions, especially about my chest. I've done lots of things on the internet and lots of interviews and I'm kind of referring back to the bullying time and I don't want it to seem like this victim space yeah. because it's, it was definitely a transformative time and it was really important. And mm. it's obviously important to say that bullying's wrong. Well, bullying, bullying is wrong. And, and, and particularly, I grew up in an era where there wasn't uh, the internet and there wasn't Facebook, Instagram and all of these other uh, uh, avenues for, for a bully to, to cyber bully you, which is really, really tormenting. I've seen you know, and, and read stuff on this. And it's, it's horrible for, for the younger generation to be submitted to that. But what I would say 
is to anybody who is in that place and and please you know firstly reach out to your siblings i know you have some great brothers uh yep. david and your family yeah. and just you know don't 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 hold it inward um but secondly if it's worth anything what i can say is in my life is that it empowered me might it might not have there and then in that moment um it was awful it was traumatic um but when i reflect now the person that i am today as perverse as it might sound i'm pleased for all hardships that i've been through oh absolutely and these are the things that that mold us i mean like when i when i then eventually left school um I mean, I was bullied for playing music, but I was—I wrote a whole album, and the whole album's bloody brilliant because of a lot of the stuff that <laughs> happened in these experiences. Yeah. You know, yeah. and some of the, and I, I wrote two songs specifically about the bullying, and um, every time I play them to people, people are like, "Wow, that is amazing!" And yeah. hey, it's not necessary I have to go and do something with the music, but for me, I know that I created something. Something positive was created, um, so. I think it's taken a long time and many years to kind of do that processing and get over the hump of it and understand why these things happen. But once you do, I think even at the time, I knew that there was that this wasn't going to last forever anyway. And yeah. um, the way I described it um, in my mind, because I was in holes of depression at this at this point, it was it was horrible. Um, but I realised that if I could get out of that, which I eventually did, I saw it as a tunnel. And so there's light at the end of every tunnel. And I saw it. If you can do it once, you realize in yourself, you've told your mind, you've experienced it, that you've got out of this hell. And so, all oh, right, wow, I can do that again and again and again. I've got the power to do that unless I'm physically dying. There's no reason that I can't get through this this hole. So, again, I think, like you said, the character building of all was massive. Character, character building. And one thing I wanted to pick up on something that you said there, David, almost one of my mantras actually so thank you for mentioning it when we're in a traumatic situation whether it be uh, bullying whether it be career uh, that's going wrong whether it be personal life whether it be relationship whether it be anything that that's taking us into a, uh, a dark place a, a troubled mind one thing that i always remind myself of is this is only temporary it will pass if you can find that space, if you can just find even the little inkling, the little ember of the flame in yourself of this is only temporary because sometimes it can feel like chaos. But again, if you can refer back to that experience, if you've done it once, you can, or you've got that strength, it's there. You've just got to make that ember into a bit of a fire. We'll link to this later on, but when we did, when we did the cold uh, ice tank therapy together, David, I remember you know, your, your, the way that you position people's mindset and when you enter into that ice cold water, the conscious mind is triggering. Oh my god, you know. But actually, if, yeah. you, if you're in the right mindset, it doesn't. It's it's really, and we'll, we'll move on to that later on in the in this in this session. Absolutely. Let me, yeah, yeah. let me bring let me bring you to this point then, where you had this painful operation. Yeah. So that was years before. Yeah, people can look at this um, and, and, and look at it on YouTube and, and, and all of your uh, other channels that you have. You've done some great stuff on TikTok and everything else. Um, how did that feel when when you were going into the hospital? What was going through your mind? Was it like, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm presuming there was uh, uh, sort of fear, but was there also an anticipation that of excitement almost? Uh, I'll be honest, Ian, I mean, I was 11 years old. So really, in terms of conscious awareness, I think that you're still pretty fluid in just the presence of a lot of life. I was still quite young. And so you don't have as much importance. So I was very much, oh, it's the next day, it's the next day. My parents told me this operation had been going on. I'd gone for a few like, um, I'd gone for a few meetings with the consultant and thing. And it wasn't until the day of the operation that I went in and had um, the pre-op stuff and um, the pre-op consultation, all these kind of things. And he, the, the nurse told me, oh, do you know, this is the second most painful operation we actually do um, for under 18s <laughs> or something, something like that. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> like, and um, I, I, I don't know if they were taking a blood sample, if they were doing something. 
but I just passed out after they'd said this, so I was super nervous, but pretty much straight after I got drugged up, so there was no time to really think about it, and then um, and, and the last thing I remember was uh, just my mum, just my mum waving over me, bless her, and uh, a few like butterflies painted on the ceiling, and I drifted off, but uh, just for a bit of context, why I really got the operation in the first place, um, pectus excavatum, it happens to, well, it's very common in not very common, but if it does happen, it happens in tall, tall people often. With our growth spurts, our ribs can't really keep up with everything and there's almost too much growth. So your ribs can either cave inwards, pectus excavatum, or they can uh, go outwards and that's called pectus carinatum or pigeon chest. And so you can get it corrected, but there wasn't a lot of information when I was 11 and the internet again was still newer and there really wasn't Facebook pages and YouTube people talking about it all the time. So the lack of information, it, it just wasn't there. Um, so I really had no idea what was going to happen. Um, but I was, um, I was in hospital for a week. I woke up straight away. And as soon as I woke up, my chest was about two, almost three inches probably ca caved in. And wow. I had a completely flat chest. Woke up completely, completely flat. My chest was just, it was crazy. So, um, I mean... The mo I can remember it so vividly, this moment, just waking up and literally looking down on my whole, you know, imagine your body's just been transformed for years. You've been mm. in this place where you thought you were a freak. Um, I mean, then all the pain kicked in and it was bloody painful, I tell you. I was, I was in hospital for um, a week, I think. Uh, my epidural fell out at one point, um, which was your main pain medication, which... Uh, which was crazy because I was so high on drugs that I was just hallucinating around the hospital, um, some crazy, crazy dreams and things I had in the hospital. But from that moment, my whole life changed. My entire life changed with that one metal bar that they put inside me. And um, if you go on YouTube, you can actually see me being cut open. You can see the whole, um, well, the removal surgery anyway, so you can actually see the bar they put in. But... Um, yeah, from there, really, that allowed me to, well, from when I left school, be able to uh, to go into the modelling and do all the things that I eventually did. So it's yeah, a simple, simple thing that happened when I was 11. It really changed, I guess, not only just like 10 years later when I could go modelling, but actually just in self-confidence, just in my, how I'd hold myself and then... Um, yeah, not feeling like I was a freak anymore, for sure. If anything, I was the spark of conversation. I was now Iron Man, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you were now like uh, Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it's interesting, David, yeah. when, when, I, when I met you for the first time, I felt this aura around you, this this spirit, this, this it's hard for me to articulate, but something about you is very, very calm in the first place. But there's almost this freedom within you. And when you take people into sessions that you run, you, I don't think command is the right word, but you draw people into your world. And it's a very, very wonderful experience, talking firsthand of that experience. Bless you, bro. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. No, absolutely. And I really, really mean that. But I want to talk about the modeling and just walk through this journey that you went on because you'd done some modeling with the girls at school and that was sort of exciting and sort of propelled you a little bit and then you left school and then there was a almost a fluky situation wasn't there where you did a was it a school exchange or something and you found yourself so it's funny i mean i don't like to use the word manifestation but looking over a few of these things before we had this podcast like a few of these things have kind of materialized from literally my thoughts that I'd experienced so when I was I must have been 11 12 and my brother was going for like an open day at the school that I went to and I remember one of the teachers showing me that their son had gone on this exchange with the school to Australia and their son was now left school he was 18 and I looked up to him like wow this big adult had gone over and done this this is amazing now the school is next to the Harbour Bridge in Sydney overlooking the whole Sydney Harbour, overlooking the Sydney Opera House. So the image that I had in my head, it wasn't, it was unbelievable. So I've got this literal postcard image in my head from when I was 11. I've seen this guy and the school had these flat roofs. 
So for New Year, they were celebrating New Year on the roofs overlooking this entire harbour. And that was the image I had in my head. And I said, I'm going to do that one day. Eventually got to the point in school where I could apply for the exchange and I got it. Me and my best friend, my best, best friend um, moved over to Oz and he worked in another school and I worked in one school. We taught mu- I taught music and, um, and sport and I was there for a year just living the dream, had no responsibilities, had just left school out of that hellhole that I was in. At what age were you here, David? Uh, I was I was 18, turning 19, so I'd literally just left sixth form. I had about two weeks summer holiday, and then we flew straight out to Australia. Um, <laughs> Crazy. And just started working. Yeah, started working straight away, um, and was in this school straight away, teaching the kids, helping the kids with music and music classes. And then I taught them rugby, because I played rugby all the time at school. And I taught them basketball too. I'd never played basketball in my life. Never, never really seen it. I didn't understand the rules. So I got on YouTube. Um, I watched a few YouTube things. I watched, have you seen Coach Carter? Have you seen the film Coach Carter? Yeah, 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 I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just took in the rugby stuff to the basketball. The kids just need to get fit. They just need to be super fit, and that's all he does in Coach Carter. He just gets them super, super fit, so they run rings around them. And uh, before you knew it, I got these kids from the E's and F's team in basketball winning the season. They won the whole season just from just being just being fitter than everybody else. That was it. So, <laughs> and um, but while I was while I was at the school, it was a big rugby school, and they put on functions to um, raise money for the kids to go on rugby tour, and also for charities that the school ran, and. Um, as, as an assistant teacher, as part of my job, I'd just go and get people to sign on for when they won the charity auctions and things like that. So I was all suited and booted and uh, someone just went over to my boss and asked who I was. Um, oh, he's that kid, mate. That's what they said. <laughs> and um, turned out to be um, someone that was scouting. And then a couple of weeks later, um, I'd signed to, to model um, with them, which funnily enough, the agent that I signed to model with um, turned out to be my now partner's agent in the, in the future as well, which was, and their best friends, which is crazy how the world works because that was over in Australia. And- that's, that's an example of synchronicity as, as one of my friends yeah. often refers to. So, so you're in Australia, you've done this exchange, you haven't got a care in the world, you then sort of teaching music, rugby, then into basketball, you're doing really well. Then all of a sudden, you get a modelling contract, and then that modelling contract starts to really take off, doesn't it? Well, I think for the first for the first year, like just especially for perspective, I think that people think that modelling's uh, all glitz and glamorous, you know. And I worked my ass off that first year. There was no work coming in. It was just testing. I was testing, testing. I was really you're quite young still. Um, and I was just doing testing shoots, doing editorials, which you don't really get paid a lot for. Um, and so I would have like three jobs. I was doing, um, I started my own personal training company. So I had like a PT uh, business in, in the mornings. I'd um, work in a call center from, so I'd do the PT from five till eight. And then I'd work in a call center from nine till five. And then I'd do the PT again in the evening. And then I was working at like Top Man, the equivalent of Top Man in Australia. So I was doing all that first before anything, like I say, took off. But anything started moving, and um, it wasn't. I did uh, I did an editorial. I did a magazine in Australia, and it got found. Um, a guy found it in Miami, of all places. And I signed with my mother agency in Miami, so I signed with them through just doing some shoots in Oz, and that all went a bit crazy, came back to London and then I was working from London really and that's really when I started to start working because I was doing a few more jobs in England, in London but uh, I was early in my modelling career and so you really need a good portfolio to be able to show to clients this is the work that he's done, this is what he's really capable of and so I went out to uh, kind of earn my stripes and um, went out to Asia and so I moved to Asia for a bit and I was in I was in Asia for a good long time, but I'm tall and white and I've got, I've not got it now, but I've got curly hair. So um, I'm the opposite of most Asian people. So it's, that's, that's really why I did quite well there. And that's what they want you to work for. And I got a lot of photos, 
did a lot of work and amazing, amazing experiences there too. And I, th- I think one of your proudest moments, David, was working a lot with Calvin Klein. Yeah, like, um, well, it was just one, it was one day that I did with him, but um, for the, for the, for the show here, I'll kind of tell that little story because that was really, um, to this day, one of the best days of my life. And the reason it was, Ian, because back after I'd had that operation, I came, I remember vividly, vividly coming downstairs. Again, this seems like yesterday to me. Coming downstairs to my mum in a pair of Calvin Klein's. And I just, I'd had my operation like maybe six months before. And I came down to my mum just in a pair of boxes and I said to my mum, jokingly, like, in the, in, oh, look at me now, like, I'll work for Calvin Klein one day. And, um, you know, my mum, you know, oh, yeah, funny, funny. And um, there we are, I'm in Singapore. I'm doing some work. Um, I was working for a watch company on the day. And uh, they were doing a big photo shoot on a big super yacht. Again, all this stuff is not seeing like, I had no idea this stuff was going to happen. And here I am on this, this huge, I don't know how many foot super yacht with this beautiful woman. And pre- the shoot the shoot was that I was pretending I had to be the dad and she was the wife. And I had these two kids that was on the shoot. So this whole family shoot was going on. And my <laughs> agent gets a call, well, sorry, the producer of the shoot gets a phone call. And um, says that um, Carmen Klein wants to meet David now. Um, can he can he leave the shoot? He needs to go. And the producer came off the phone and said, "Oh, David, like you need to after the shoot, you need to go to the Carmen Klein office because they want to meet you." And he came back on. No, no, no. Carmen Klein wants to meet David. Lee Carmen Klein wants to meet David now. And I just went. Oh, I was. I never get nervous here, and all of a sudden, I remember these nerves came over me like I don't know what because all of this, all of this stuff in my head was just like processing in an instant that had gone from this deformed kid to all of these things that had happened, and the focus was really. I'd never focused really and thought, oh, I can't wait. This is my focus. This is my goal, but it had all materialized to these to these to this place anyway. I get in the car, head round to the Calvin Klein office. He literally just left like three minutes before. So they um, got him on an iPad. They called him on Skype and he's limo. And uh, they scanned my whole body there. I was t- took my bits off and I was just in my jeans. There's actually a clip on YouTube or on Google, I think. I don't know how this managed to get on there, but there's an actual clip from the actual casting that they took. And again, I've no idea why it's there because there's no video or footage of any other casting I've ever done. But for some reason, there's this casting from that day. Um, so um, I spoke to him on the phone. Then I, I got back to my house and they called me up and said, look, we'd like you to work for us. Uh, I'd like to work for me tomorrow. And... Um, it all just happened super quick. I was I was over the moon. It was amazing. Woke up the next day and did this incredible day where they built this entire house inside of this warehouse made out of glass. They've, the whole of Asia had come down. All the people in fashion had come down, and I was in one. Of, I was in the bedroom with this girl in the house and doing uh, like showcasing the underwear essentially, and. Um, it was an incredible experience. The whole day was just amazing. And not in a like, um, I don't care for fashion really. I don't care for the names of anything really either. But it was just um, in terms of, I guess, perception of what the fashion world is and what people think of all this stuff from the space again where I'd come from and all of the stuff that was happening to actually get to that place and be in that place. It was just this like incredibly ironic but also present moment, you know. And um, not only that, but my partner at the time, um, we'd not seen it. We were in a long distance. She's She was still in Australia. And we'd not seen each other for like five months. And it had just so happened that the flight she booked three months ago was landing the evening after, or the the time after I'd finished the Calvin Klein thing. And the hotel we'd booked was five minutes to stay in because I was living in a model apartment, 
was five minutes around the corner from where I was doing the Calvin Klein thing. So I literally finished Calvin Klein. I'd not seen my partner for five months, walked around the corner and then, you know, we had this huge celebration of everything that had just happened. So like, it was just this whole concoction of, of 24 hours, which I can't, I can't really fathom. And it just all, all came together. And it was, it was truly, truly a beautiful and incredible experience. And one that, um, like as I say, I don't really care about fashion and in in terms of the 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 ego part of it all. Um but I can always tell my grandkids, you know, that that's what happened and that's the beautiful thing for me. So it's a great story. I sometimes think and it's it's it, it's a personal perspective this and it's a very holistic perspective. Um when we are faced with adversity in our lives, and for you at the age of you know very young age um you were bullied and and life was hell at school but you still had this innate ability to think of the brighter things in life you came downstairs in a pair of clients calvin clients and said i'm going to do this one day mum you know and i don't know i don't, I don't really want to force opinions of, of what belief systems we should all have uh, because we've all got our own and and they're all wonderful things but I've had very, very dark moments and I've faced extreme adversity in my life, David. But I've also, similarly to you, had a vision um, of, of where I'm going to end up. In the back of my mind, it's never, it's never left me. Um, you know, I've always like been determined and, 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 and sort of visualised certain things. And then they've happened. And I'm like, yeah. how the hell has that happened? I have no idea. And I have my own belief system, uh, uh, which is religious-based. Uh, but um, it's funny how these things, you know, happen to us. One thing I know with yourself, David, just uh, uh, listening to you and, and, and understanding your journey, when you're faced with adversity, you have a very positive mindset. But also, you know, listening to this journey of modelling, I'm, I'm grateful for you for mentioning that because it's very easy to look online at people, particularly nowadays, and think, oh, you know, God, look at where they are. And whether that be from a happy personality perspective, whether that be from materialistic things around them, whether it be relationships, whatever it might be that, that we tend to grab onto, um, it's important to realise that if you scratch down beneath the surface, a lot of people have worked bloody hard and have had to hustle, like in your case, you know, three jobs. When I was very young, I was doing two jobs, one very early in the morning, then going to college all day, then one uh, taking me through to nine o'clock at night. Sometimes I'd get home, my mother would have prepared me a dinner and I would fall asleep in my dinner. Um, you know, you've got to be prepared to put the damned hard work in at times. It's, life, life to me has never been given to me, um, so I've had to do it. But thanks for sharing that. I think, though, that people also think that oh, only certain types of people are built like that. There's only certain types of people that are made like that. And again, people like maybe look at people when they're in the 30s and the 40s. Oh, yeah, but he's like driven and all this. It's like, well, trust me, I'm, I'm lazy as they get. I'm super, if, if, my mind want, if my mind wants it to be, I'll stay in bed, I'll do nothing. But as you said, those adverse times, I, there's basically when I was in Australia, I worked in that school. But after that, first year of working in the school that I had a contract for, that's when I, 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 was, at, I was signed to model at the end of it. So I, I decided instead of coming home to uni, I'd stay out there. And I realised then, once I stayed out, I was on my own in the middle of this country, thousands of miles away from, it was the, it was like, well, sink or swim, bud. So you've got no choice. And so it was the adversity that actually created the hustle. And I think that some people think that, um, it's just a given and that people are more successful and some people are more driven and that, no, 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 you've got to find it, but it's in everybody. And I, I really don't, like, as I said, none of this stuff was um, anything that I had. I don't think it was innate. I think that you, you learn from your conditions, you learn from your experiences and you just got to keep rolling them in and it, you learn from those to, to build from that adversity. I think it's, I think it's Tony Robbins, uh, if I, if I've quoted this correctly, that says, in our moments of desperation, our destiny is formed. Yeah, you know, like 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 you said, you know, it's like sink or swim. If if I don't do something about this, I'm I'm gonna have, I'm, there's nobody here to catch me. 
Yeah, yeah. But also the fun of it, it, we can switch the perception because it doesn't always have to be this horrible situation. For me, I was a, this youthful guy in the middle of Australia that had the opportunity, okay, what can I do? And so I realized that, okay, I can start making money. And if you have, if you can see that you can start making money, it's not the money part, but it was the, the graph that you can build a lot of money quite quickly. You can, you can do, but you've got to find those, those spaces to do it. You know, I think, um, it was a great learning curve because, um, yeah, I really, really, really worked my ass. I remember working four or five, maybe four and a half months. I didn't have a day off, worked every day, probably 10 hour days. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. People don't necessarily have that experience though, or maybe like, you know, given that, given a space where they have to go, they have to go and do that. Yes, it's, it's, it's an important lesson. And, and I think some, some, of, some of my younger listeners might listen to that and say, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it. Let's, let's move forward a little bit. It seems quite ironic to me. And when I read this about you, I was like, geez, that's, that's sort of, that's a real twist, isn't it? In a, in a story where you, there you were successfully modeling for some of the uh, industry bests, uh, biggest brands, um, you know, fashion houses where a, a, a top might cost, you know, a ridiculous amount of money. You come back, if I've got this right, you come back to the UK after a while and, a few things happen, but you eventually launch an Instagram channel, which is really based on dressing well for less. Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah. So my my whole focus, I mean, just modelling, again, my detachment from, from really like spending lots of money, because I'd never really had it myself or whatever. So um, I was wearing, I remember wearing a Burberry coat in Singapore, and it was $16,000. Which was about nine. It was about nine thousand pounds, eight thousand pounds, something like that. And I couldn't fathom it. I just couldn't understand it. Now I understand high fashion now, and I understand. I can. I, I see it. I get it. Um, well, not necessarily get it, <laughs> but um, sixteen grand for a coat. It, made, it blew my head off. And I um, before. But, well, kind of in those years, really, those, those um, 18, 19, 20 years, I really enjoyed and got a sick kick out of just going to Asda or Sainsbury's or Tesco, whatever it is, and uh, checking out the clothes section. And obviously it was, it was often kind of dad's clothes, inverted commas, and just seeing how I could style this stuff because it was really cheap and really affordable and, and see how I could style it and, and, uh, and make it look good and just... I really enjoyed doing that. It was actually a genuine passion for me personally. Not never mind showing other people. Um, I, I used to get my own <laughs> secret kick, but then um, just started posting about it on Instagram, and I would put a, pri a price breakdown of my whole outfit so everybody could see how much it was. And I'd be putting outfits together for thirty pounds, an entire outfit. Um, I'd show people sales where things were on. Um, you know, where more affordable, where it's better to get more affordable or show, hey, here's this expensive outfit, here's how you can do it, the exact same, but, you know, it's literally costing you about 70 quid for the whole top to bottom. Um, so I did that for time and I was just I was just aware of the influencer world that was growing on Instagram and how it was very much, oh, yeah. look at my Gucci bag, look at my um, branded name X. And it was just such a um, validation space and um, just showing just pure ego really of look at me, look at me, look at me. And so um, I wanted to just take what I'd got from fashion and everything that I was doing. And if I could uh, provide some kind of value in that space, um, I, late, I later kind of grew old of it. And as we, as we do with things, especially as the, as the industry and my awareness of the industries grew, understanding more affordable clothing, there was there was there was maybe companies I was working with earlier in the years which was more fast fashion and obviously the the kind of repercussions of that. But in the meantime, the amount of, again thousands and thousands of people emailed me about my chest or whatever it may be, modeling or whatever. But the amount of people that contact me just for a little advice or they they were just really appreciating that there was someone that was showing them literally how they could go and dress nice as a guy, but it not cost a fortune and they'd still look really good. Um, so yeah, that was my, that was my focus for a long time and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I had a great experience. You tr again, just with modeling with, uh, I hate the word, but influencing, 
Um, you get to travel a lot, meet lots of people. That's what I really love. I'm not too bothered about the actual... I love the creativity, but I'm not bothered about the the actual essence of fashion, if that makes sense, you know. So Watch Your Story is brought to you in partnership with Private White VC, a truly British brand established in 1853 from their factory which overlooks the River Irwell in Manchester, has been handcrafting luxury garments which are coveted around the world. This great British luxury clothing brand is simply unrivaled. Every garment is handcrafted using materials selected to perform, which gives you style formed by function. If you'd like to take advantage of my partnership with Private YPC, then use the discount code found in my bio on Instagram and other social media platforms, including my website, and visit privatewhitevc.com. Then obviously lockdown, you know, the pandemic hit. That created or, or was a causing effect of another gear shift for you, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like, I'd literally for the last, uh, what it had been like seven years at that point, I'd been modelling and working on social media and building my brand on there and so um my income was from the modeling industry and um through my own social media so put, putting my own stuff out and i had a great living from it all then the pandemic hit and um the first few months i must say were actually uh, very lucrative because everybody was on their phone and so like every company wanted to work <laughs> with you you know, it was quite quite funny, really, and in 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 incredible. Uh, it's mad how it all works. But I did a I did a campaign for a well, well, actually, funnily enough, affordable fashion. I did a campaign in lockdown for Morrison's clothing. It's weird how things happen, isn't it, Ian? And um, I actually shot the campaign at my house because it was all like remote, and so I did the whole campaign. In my well, not in my house, but out, out and about my house in the lakes, and uh, just very funny because that was all over supermarkets, and there was no professional crew or anything. We just did it in our in the backyard, which is uh, which was funny. But yeah, so lockdown oh. happened. I moved up to the Lake District where my parents live, and um, to get out of the city really. And uh, my focus, as I say, my income was from from the fashion world and, and social media. And all of a sudden, after those few months, started to started to drip. Really, started to slow down because um, all the industries were, were shutting down too. Now, at this point, I stumbled up across uh, Wim Hof in a YouTube rabbit hole one evening. I've told this story a, a good few times, but it, it really won. Similar to well, a few of those stories today, where those days will stand out to me for the rest of my life. And I can't tell you how deep and chronic I had a phobia of the cold, of ice, of even having a conversation about it. Even like even the thought, let alone me materialising the actual word, but the thought to speak about this conversation I couldn't have had, what, three years ago? My life was completely different. And again, all these um, little tunnels you go through coming out, there's always light at the other end, you know. I, um, yeah. I had child traumas as a kid, we started skiing. I, I don't use that word, uh, that phrase in a, in a, well, for any kind of attention way. I just mean that it's the best way to describe it. I remember starting skiing really, really young. And uh, I had a circulation condition and my hands and feet used to cut off. It's called Raynor. It's quite common in people. Uh, circulation to do with stress. So I'm sure there was things to do with my bullying, things to do with um, just my genuine, uh, general circulation as well. Um causes your hands and feet and it was just horrific all my life i'd hate going outside i'd hate going into this is where this is where this is where this is, this is where sorry david sorry yeah. to cut over you this is where sometimes in our fingers they go white at the end yeah, yeah completely numb so my hands my hands and feet would cut off from the joint upwards so my hands from from the from your ankle down and my and and um it was excruciating, like chill blades, really, but like times 100. And, you know, that blood's coming back to you. And it was the bane of my life because it would just be walking down the corridor at school. Again, even thinking about it now, it definitely was the stress. So my hand's just cutting off. And that over years and years and years and years and years just causes these, like, micro traumas. So literally just nipping out to the shops would... Um, would really just, I would not want to do it. But it all stemmed from, I started skiing really young. Um, 
the rainos was already kicking in so my hands and feet were cutting off and I just remember being on the mountain and looking around not being able to see my parents or anybody the snow's coming in I'm on this mountain as like a seven-year-old by myself and I think I'm gonna die my hands and feet are cutting off and all I can see is the snow in my boots and my gloves and so in that moment I've connected the snow and the ice and everything around that to this bad experience and so I've literally taken that with me throughout yes. the rest of my life and that's where it all conditioned from so wow. um i'm in the lakes i'm on a youtube rabbit hole one evening i see wim hoff the nutter that he is he's jumping in a load of uh, a load of ice um literally <laughs> it was one of these videos where he's got literal blocks of ice that he's he's uh he's sat in with the water and i was tripping i couldn't i couldn't figure out what how he was doing this because my mind had been so conditioned to staying away from that situation at all costs and i'd never really seen anybody do this but as you know he's so charismatic that he he pulls you in with just just his essence um i thought could never do that can't do that my phobia is too big and i genuinely genuinely thought and i think it's really important if anybody does have these these kind of um closed off beliefs in the thoughts or beliefs in the mind that that was me done i i i've I am the guy with an ice phobia. That's how. That's my makeup. That's what God's given me. That's the the, the phobia that I have. That's my makeup. I saw him. I was so pulled in by what he was doing. But he also talks about his breath work. So I went and I did his breath work for ten minutes that evening, and I was high as a kite within ten minutes. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that from these places of bullying, these dark holes I'd been in super holes of depression when my grandma died she was a huge part of my life and um all these times i've been through and no one told me i could take a few breaths for 10 minutes and i could calm all of that stuff that was going on in my mind all this crazy heaviness down and i couldn't believe it in that moment again just like um the calvin klein day or whatever other these days that stick out that day just sticks out in my mind that from that moment my life changed because um I went down to the water. Um, I realized he was onto something. If I can feel this incredible from just breathing, this guy is talking about something he, that he knows about here. He's, this isn't just spoofing. He's not just like, yeah, go and jump in water or whatever. There's some serious stuff. So anyway, the next day, and I posted about it just uh, a couple of weeks ago because it was two years ago, uh, I did my first ever dip. And uh, yeah, I got into the water. I mean, I was shit scared. I was absolutely terrified all these thoughts coming back to me, but the breath work had had such an effect on me that I was in this almost scared but super calm state, which I'd never been in before. Um, and it was just amazing to observe. I, I got into the water, super panicked. I was probably in there for a minute. Uh, it was in the end of November, so it was like four degrees, so it's pretty cold. And um, ah, just incredible. I came out, my body was just on fire with electricity there was electricity running through the veins of my body complete everywhere was just buzzing and i I'd ne i've never felt anything like it it was just unbelievable um maybe even some kind of spiritual transformation to be honest when i look back on it it really was it took my breath away i was just completely uh, in awe of the experience and such a simple one and um yeah it's completely changed my life so the uh, the lockdown experience the whole of the whole of that really really did form the new uh, the new space for me to go in and that's what's really happened with everything with the farm club with influx with everything we're doing with that so it's been amazing tell us about I mean yeah you're right and it's the interesting thing for me on on all of this is you know I've done some cold cold water therapy in fact I've been with you in your sessions as well and i've done breath work and the ice tank and then i swim often in pickmere lake uh, with friends um uh, although if they listen to this they'll say i paddle because i don't swim as far <laughs> as they do uh, richard and claire if you're listening richard and claire if you're listening i can't do the three four miles that you do okay not yet. Um, you can't when i say i can't when i say I can't, not not yet i can yeah so i should remove that statement and say i can do it at the, mo at the, at the moment because you bugger off at such a pace that you don't even let me try and keep up with you so um, but so that's 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 on me not that's on me not them but just being in the water and being in that in that 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 that, that space i i've shared that time with people with 
PTSD, anxiety, menopause, uh, 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 depression, uh, all sorts of uh, phobias, uh, all sorts of things in their mind which is limiting them as individuals. And when they've gone through that experience, it has transformed them. And I think, you know, knowing a lot about mental health as I do, um, uh, I think it's time for society to not necessarily not go to modern medicine as we know it, tablets and this and everything else, but look for some alternatives. Look inside ourselves. And as you said, Dave, as, as you said, David, you know, find this this, this alternative because a lot of the solutions I think again I can only refer to myself and but I can also know people that I know that have been through journeys when they found an alternative way and it starts to work as you say David it's so invigorating there's this energy that comes flowing from within ourselves our own cause that we didn't know were there uh, and it's like shit this is amazing. This this is transforming me. This is taking me to another level. Absolutely. And I've seen people's lives completely transform. Like um, you, you talk about the farm club. Um, and just a, a little correction on that. I mean, I don't found the farm club. I'm, I'm kind of part of it as, a, as um, doing all the breath work and things. But it's uh, it's the family farm, that the, 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 the Platts farm that they've kind of converted, but being a part of it. Um, okay. I've literally seen... Thousands of people through there now since we started doing uh, the cold water there. And like you mentioned, the sessions you've done with us. And I've seen those people's lives change. So you're talking about there these these kind of these healing things. And I think that people poo-poo it a lot because there's so much pressure on modern medicine, there's so much agenda and focus and money that, that ultimately thrives around it. But um, we truly, look, I'm not, I wouldn't ever... Look, modern medicine's helped me so much in my life. If I hadn't had modern medicine, then it wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation. But at the same time, I've seen thousands of, mm. well, hundreds and hundreds of people that have healed themselves through whatever it may be. Mental things. A lot of it is mental. A lot of it's just realizing we can take control again. And I think that's what the water does so incredibly well because mm. it's such an undeniable experience. Society says, "Oh no, I won't go in this cold water. Uh, stay away from that." just like I had done yeah. my whole life yeah. in my head and steer away from it. And then when you actually experience it, you actually experience how beneficial it is. You ex you experience how good you feel. You experience the thoughts that you thought, I can't do this, but you did. So there's so much that goes on within like, literally it can just be three minutes or 30 seconds even. And so much can literally happen within that time. But the consistency yeah. of then doing that shows people, oh shit, no, 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 I can take control for myself. I can... Um, I can literally heal myself. I can I can reduce my weight because I'm I'm actively going to choose this. And look, then how that affects the rest of my health, the rest of my mental health, the rest of everything. So it's such yeah. an undeniable experience that I think yeah. it has such incredible benefits. But so much is just that mental yeah. part of oh, I did do this. I'm I'm back. I'm I'm here. And I see so many people that have kind of got so caught up in maybe the narrative of like I did. I'm the guy with the phobia or it's the I'm the girl that can't do X. I'm the guy that this is my character that I am and anything out of that parameters is a bit bit too much for me. And we have to keep breaking those because as adults we, we get into these narrow um, kind of pigeonholes rather than allowing ourselves to open up and keep expanding, keep expanding, keep expanding. Um, and really that's my mission. Because uh, yeah. I've, I've seen it, I guess, with, with my life, a lot of the things yeah. discussed here. But because of my experience in my head, I just want people to be able to try and see that for themselves. That even even though I had the phobia, society has a baseline of what they're willing to to go, um, go to. Um, and that water's uncomfortable. But if we can increase that baseline, then everything else underneath it just gets easier. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, as 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 human beings, we we have uh, what what is commonly known as our comfort zones, and uh, and I'm the type of individual that I'll look at where my comfort zones are, and I'll push myself to challenge myself to do something which is uncomfortable. Now, for now, for me, uh, they're very different to what they are for you, David. They're very different to what they are for our listeners. For example, I know people that will not. 
um, uh, uh, relish the thought of speaking in public. Whereas, whereas for me, it's like great. She should send me there. So that's that's totally within my comfort zone. Uh, but there'll be something else which somebody can do uh, uh, that, that's in their comfort zone, which is totally against my comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this pushing ourselves and you know, and I think this 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 element of water so simple. You know, it's been it's been around ever since the Earth was formed. Um, yet yet, you know, we kind of like. Well, think about it. In, 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 in most people's lives, when they get up in the morning and they have a shower or a bath, maybe, it's always in warm water. It's always in warm water. Yeah. But And when they switch the dial to cold water, it's like, <gasps> it's like oh, my goodness me, you know, what is this? You know, and um, I, I like to have a sauna uh, uh, when I go to, to, to uh, my, my workout facility. But I always have an ice cold shower in between as well. Um, and, and, and I'll see people get out and they'll follow me. That, that don't know that it's ice cold water oh, yeah. standing under, and they'll put the shower. And they'll say, "Have you just been under that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it was exactly the same temperature for me." It's like you know because I don't flinch. But um, it's 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 really interesting. It's really interesting. And and, and thank you for sharing that because I, I do think that it's important for people to. You know, we'll, we'll come on to the end where, where how people can find uh, the farm club and, 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 and what you do it exactly. But before we leave this this session, I'm conscious of, of time is ticking away. I wanted to quickly ask you something, David, and, and it is a personal question, but but it's it's something which I'm fascinated by. Um, when we go through our life journey, people come and go and I'm talking here about love, relationships. Um, and it's only really when we find somebody that, you know, becomes our, I don't like the term soulmate, but becomes part of us, an extension of us, how special that can be. And I know when I listen to your bio that you sent me, audio bio, um, you referred to your partner as the love of your life. Is it okay with you to just talk a little? Okay with you to just talk a little bit about about having a special relationship? Is that okay? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, you made me have a little tear in my eye just just sit there. Yeah, she's the love of my life. Bless her soul, she's amazing. Um, I mean, we've had a crazy we've had a crazy journey already. I mean, a lot of our relationship was thrown straight into the COVID situation, and I think if any relationship was able to get through, right. Uh, through moving into your parents' house after meeting them twice and then living ended up what was supposed to be two weeks to be two years. You know, it's uh, it's it's a pretty intense situation. So I, if they still love her, then I still... <laughs> it's still there, that's for sure. But um, she's, she's the most beautiful woman inside and out and um, she truly makes me a, a better person. She's uh, she's taught me a lot. You know, I think that a lot of these sort of stories that we've talked about, you know, a lot of that I was doing by myself and you're on your own path, you're on, on your own mission. Um, but when you, when somebody else enters your life, um, you know, and, and that, that true love, it's, um, I have a, I have a true purpose and that's to, to build the love with, within our, our relationship, but also the family around that. And, uh, just seeing all the all the things really in, that I've done through my life and I guess more with the farm club influx, everything we're doing there, just wanting to help people and seeing how that can really tie into the family unit too and how you, it can all be love. So, um, yeah, look, she um, Naima is her name. She works with me on Influx, which is our clothing company, and she's incredible her graphic design, just her mind. She modelled for 10 years too, or even maybe even longer, 11 years. So she worked in fashion. So um, it's just great. We both wanted to have a clothing company all, all the time that we're doing it, but we actually found a purpose for, for, our, for our business. And working together, living together, loving each other. Hey, look, it's, it's the journey, but it's, I wouldn't do it with anybody else. She's amazing. I think it's uh, super... Not necessarily important. I think also there's a lot to be said about being single, finding yourself, working on yourself. I think a lot of people jump into relationships and trying to find validation and spaces of themselves within other people rather than finding themselves first and then meeting other people. Of course, there's always work to do. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. 
finding a partner that can truly help you with that work and I've found one she's amazing so that's great that's great and it, it's I think one 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 comment I would really pull out of that 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 statement and I'm sorry I brought a tear to her <laughs> not, day, at all. Wasn't not at all um, but um, <laughs> really great statement you made there a partner who adds value to my life I don't know whether I've got this quoting you directly but you know just just paraphrasing a little bit adds value to my life and who makes me a better person um and i think you know when we're in a relationship and we've got somebody who compliments us and adds value to our life and we can add value to their life that's really cohesive in my mind of what a relationship should really be all about you know it's not about me it's not about you it's not about it's about us you know and um God bless you for sharing that. Yeah, well, like we're, we're we're individuals, but if we can come together, you can. Um, well, the my dad's a my dad's a little philosopher. We used to call him Phil as a as a nickname, me and my friends, because uh, he'd come out with little lines and stuff. But I remember him telling me, um, well, the one thing he said before I went to Australia was say yes to everything, and if you don't like it, then you figured it out. So just just do that first. But the other thing was. Um, about relationship he's just said that you know it's one and one coming together but you make three and my dad's my dad's not very uh, spiritual or ne- or religious or anything so that's that's as uh, you know as broad as that gets but to him that and to me it was really special because it's true you know i see my mum and dad and how incredible they are and their journey wow that's some story their life but um I see their relationship and it truly is one and one. They do their own things, they have their own life, but they come together and what they create as as a couple is unbreakable. And, and I think when you've experienced that and we spoke about conditions and, and being, you know, my family unit was is really strong and, and really beautiful. I think when you've experienced that, it shows you how a relationship can be. And I think um, as society, we've drifted a long way away from that. But... Um, as men and women, we can we can really have some beautiful symbiotic relationships. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Thank you, um, David. We we are we could probably talk all day. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and uh, you're you're an amazing Thank you, person. Ian. Thanks. You're an amazing person. This, this 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 spirit this spirit that I always get from you and this this aura is is just whoa, which is grabs me. Uh, but um, let's let's talk, let's talk about. Um, how people can find you where's the best place to go best finding me on instagram it's just david james seed if you want to come and join us for any of the cold water i run all the cold water sessions at the farm club um so you can join uh, you can find them on instagram as well it's it's just the dot farm dot club and you'll see everything we do there see everyone smiling which is which is it's so great all the stuff that that's going on there the real sense of community it's just incredible i think that's the the biggest thing to punch home about that is uh it's a it's a true space of community bringing people together where you know there's no there's no agendas other just other than just being there having some time just checking out and it's a real space that's beautiful so hey if anybody ever wants to come everyone's always welcome yeah, I, I would to, I would totally endorse that. And just to just to because I'm going to put a little bit more meat on the bones yeah. for you here. The farm club isn't just about swimming in the lake, doing cold water. There's yoga, there's boot camps, there's holistic there's holistic therapies. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So get online, everybody, and have a look and join David and his team. Uh, it, you know, it, it really is it is a community, and it's it's beautiful. It's just such a it's a great place to be like from the point of the location itself is amazing. When you get there, it, it, it just, something happens. In, so when I go, when I drive into where the farm club is based, uh, uh, just besides Pickmere Lake. Like going through the gates and all of a sudden it's like you're in a different reality for, for an hour or two. It is so weird, yeah. isn't it? It's like yeah. it's, you, you come out of the yeah, real world for an hour or two. It is. It it's is. It's mad. And you see yeah. it on everybody, but yeah. then it's fine with everybody. Without some, water, uh, they're buzzing. People have finished yoga. They've just done a fitness class. Everyone's everyone's got a great vibe. And then there's a space where they can congregate, unlike a gym. Yeah. Often where it's kind of right. I'm in to do my workout and then I leave. There's a hub where people can really, and that's that you see them seventy year olds chatting to twenty three year olds, and it's just like you'd never see this elsewhere. It's beautiful. 
no it, it is amazing and, and when when we talk about all of this lot going on it's a big space so it doesn't feel congested it feels nice it feels there's yeah. plenty of room that there's sort of you know there's time slots that you can book to do things there's men only sessions there's there's there's, there's women exclusive sessions there's mixed sessions there's just it's just everything for everybody so david thank you so for thank you for two things Thank you for coming on my show and Thanks sharing your story, Bless which was you, thank fascinating. You. Thank you for the universe becoming fortuitous and allowing you and your your associates to form the farm club and have this facility and, and the, the, the farmers to, to realise that, that this is a good thing to do as well. And thank you, David. Thanks, bud. Likewise, it's, uh, it's been, this has been the longest conversation we've had, but... Um, even the small one, even the small ones that we do have, you know, running around the farm club or whenever I've seen you, um, have always been beautiful, always engaging, and and likewise that that warmth uh, just wraps you. So I appreciate that warmth. Thank you so much, Ian. You're welcome, David. You're welcome. I think you'll agree that was quite a story. Join me again for next week's episode of Ian Beaton's. So what's your story? If you enjoyed this episode, it meant something to you, or maybe you think a friend or a loved one might like to listen to it too, go ahead and share it with them. Remember, if you have a story you'd like to share, or perhaps you know someone who does, I invite you to join me on my podcast. I can be contacted by email, web, or social. Thank you. You've just listened to so what's your story?